I hate I hate when apps say, oh, you've reached a certain level. You have to purchase things. And I'm like, no. Um, especially when I'm an adult playing the preschool game. I should not have to pay extra. <laughs> Are you nostalgic? A parent? Or perhaps a child at heart? When it comes to children's media, from books to TV shows, and even movies, there's often more than meets the eye. Is it well written? Does it still hold up today? What works and what doesn't? Or maybe you wonder what went on behind the scenes of that work. Together, a trio of adults, who are also kids at heart, will critique and comment on a new piece of children's media each episode. Hello, this is Eric. Hi, I'm PJ. And I'm Rico. You're listening to Beyond the Lens, a family-friendly podcast. Hi, welcome to another episode of Beyond the Lens. I'm here, as usual, with Eric and PJ. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the new changes that were made to Thomas and Friends as part of Thomas and Friends Big World Big Adventures. So now I'm going to extend the question to you. How familiar are you guys with Big World, Big Adventures, be it the movie, the series, or even just Thomas in general? Well, I think I mentioned this um, in the previous Thomas episode that we did. Um, I know that Thomas was... Well, Thomas played a little bit of a role in my childhood, but it wasn't so... Or it wasn't really with the movies or the TV shows. It was mostly like with the actual... Um, train tracks, like as in the the toy train tracks, and um, I remember I did have a PC game as well. So I'm I'm very familiar with Thomas, but I never really um, got into the TV shows or the movie, so I'm a little unfamiliar with this one. Um, hi, I'm Eric, and I'm super familiar with this franchise. <laughs> <laughs> More familiar than I would like to be, um, if I'm being quite honest. Um, I watched Shining Camp Station as a child and then grew into the Thomas VHSs, which then turned into DVDs. And then the movie came out. And then now I run a train nonprofit with Rico. So life's life's crazy. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I would say I am. uh, I, I have knowledge of the franchise. I have some select knowledge of everything, apparently. (laughs) Um, I'm excited to get to do this discussion today, too, because I know that this has been a huge, uh, a huge hippity flippity for some of the people that grew up on Thomas. And some people love these changes and some people are very vocal about how much they don't like them. So I'm very (laughs) excited to hear all the opinions about everything today. Mm hmm. So basically, to give you a little bit of the backstory in case you're completely in the dark about Thomas, it started as a book series by the Reverend Robert Audrey in 1945, and that was later adapted into a TV series that we know and love today, and it first aired in the UK in 1984. It was created by Britt Alcroft, and as we talked in a previous episode, Shining Time Station was created to introduce Thomas to an American audience, and both Thomas and Shining Time were touched on in the movie Thomas and the Magic Railroad. And shortly after that movie, Brit Olacroft ended up selling 
a company and with it the rights to Thomas to a company called Hit Entertainment in around 2003 and then Hit revamped the series a few times. First, they tried to bring a higher emphasis on the morals and the lessons and less on the actual story and action. And then, in around 2009, they switched to CGI instead of the traditional live-action model animation that most people are familiar with, Thomas. And then, in 2012, Hit Entertainment was sold to Mattel. And so, Mattel revamped the series yet again. They tried to bring it closer to the writing style of the original series, although they kept the CGI animation. And then, starting in Journey Beyond Sodor in Season 21, they started adding some movement, I guess you could call it, with the uh, slight <laughs> bouncing and the more motion of the trains. And that brings us to today with Big World, Big Adventures, which... It happened when Mattel partnered with the United Nations and they decided they were going to take Thomas on this journey all the way around the world. Um, and in case you aren't familiar with it, it, it sort of was always a thing in the sense that it was mentioned in a forward to the first book that had Thomas in. These changes also brought a multicultural rebrand to the series. And believe it or not, the family of the Reverend Wilbur Audrey are on board with the changes. And Oldcroft said in a few statements that she's more or less fine with it. Uh, and so Big World Big Adventures first started as a movie. Uh, basically just to give you a, a brief snippet of the, of the plot of that movie. It starts with Thomas pushing cars in the yard and... He mentions to Gordon how he wishes that he could go all the way around the world. And then we're introduced to this race car called Ace, who comes to Sodor and impresses Thomas. He mentions that he's in this sort of a rally and race to go all the way around the world along five different continents. And Ace convinces Thomas to be the first railway engine to go all the way around the world. And that prompts Thomas to talk to Sir Topham Hatt, who's in charge of the railway about this idea, and Stavonet more or less says in passing that it's fine if he knows a way to go about doing it. And then, shortly thereafter, everyone's looking for Thomas for various reasons. So Stavonet has a, a train for him to pull, and Gordon's upset that he coupled fish cars to the back of the express, and then eventually they find out that Carly the Crane loaded Thomas onto a ship, and so... Then they're like, okay, where in the world is Thomas now? Because he could be anywhere in the world. And so then Thomas arrives in Africa, follows Ace to the rally, and then he finds out that the route of that race doesn't have any tracks that go to the Sahara. And Ace mentioned that the rally ends in Dar es Salaam. And so shortly thereafter that, he finds cars that are headed there. They are all commenting on, like, this is usually a job for a much bigger engine, but Thomas says that he can do it. Meanwhile, back on Sodor, Sotophement asked Carly why she loaded Thomas on a ship for Africa. Carly replies that Thomas had permission from Sotophement to go around the world, and this sparks this comedic chase and catch-up game with Sotophement trying to find Thomas. And then back in Africa, Thomas starts 
getting more cars added to the chain and eventually he slows down and he can't pull it up the hill. That's when Thomas meets Nia, who's giggling at Thomas's struggle and offers to help Thomas. Thomas is reluctant and eventually agrees. And so basically, the uh, movie sort of continues on from there to avoid getting this be a really long synopsis of the movie. I'm just going to say that it, throughout the journey around the world, Nia and Ace help Thomas learn an important lesson about true friendship. And throughout this journey, Sir continues to look for Thomas and his signature hand is continually changed. Yeah, I feel like compared to some of the other movies that have come out, this one was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, It was definitely something that tonally was very different from the others. There were some, the music was great. I think the songs were fantastic. They were super catchy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of my biggest issues with this movie is it feels, by the time I got to the credits, I was like, that where's where's the rest of this movie? I felt like the movie was like ninety percent finished, and then there was still open plot left. Mm-hmm. And part of me says, well, that leaves room for expansion and openness. Like I I felt like the plot with Ace the race car just it didn't get a conclusion. He just kind of left. It's <laughs> like <laughs> where's the where's the rest of his character arc? And then the the ending bit right before the credits with with Ace and Sir Topham had, I was like, where, what, where, that's it? You're just gonna stop there? Did you run out of time, money, <laughs> patience, animators, food? What happened? Where's the where's the rest of this? So I'm like, part of, part of me says it's it's left open so that way there's there's opportunities to include more information in the series. And then I was like, okay, well the series is out. Following this film. And I still didn't get any conclusions to this, so now I'm just irritated. <laughs> the rest of the movie was great, but I feel like with any movie, if I don't get a full conclusion, it just leaves it leaves me on a very sour spot. I see what you're saying. I think I could be wrong, but I think there's going to be like one or two a bit much shorter specials that'll come out in the next se- season. That might tie up some of those loose ends. I don't know. I hope so yeah, we'll I mean, see what happens. I mean, I guess my my great more so with the series, if there's a gripe as as it relates to the movie, is uh, is that there are stories that take place in Australia with Thomas, and throughout this movie, there is no point where where Thomas goes to Australia. It's Literally, Africa, uh, South America, North America, Asia, and Europe. Those are the five continents. <laughs> and so, uh, hopefully that's touched on in this special to us to how Thomas went to Australia. Because he started in Africa, mm-hmm. and then went to China? No, South America. South America. And then North America, and then Asia, and then Europe, sort of. And not only see Europe in the movie, it's more so. Uh, he just so, goes f- through Asia and then through Europe to get back to Sodor. Okay. 
yeah, that's interesting. That I didn't even think about that. That the series just kind of goes, oh, he went here as well. I mean, granted, there's only so much you can cover in an 80-minute movie. Yeah. Except apparently a cohesive ending to wrap everything <laughs> up, but whatever. Um, so I found it very interesting. So for those that don't know, when the series came back for series, what is this, 22? Mm-hmm. Um, 22. Following the film, they kind of split the series in half, where 13 episodes focused on stories on the island of Sodor, and then 13 episodes were kind of filler adventures that were that happened while Thomas was going on his adventures around the world and it was like I remember the time that blah 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 and then kind of explained what other things happened while he was on this crazy adventure um this is something very interesting the show has never this show as well as really any other show has really done is give a full use the characters for full cultural significance of these you know this is a train so you think it's easy to take a human character and put them at a different location and go these are the different cultural things but you also have to figure out like not only how the people interact but how the engines function and what their function is at those different locations so that was a whole other educational component that was added on for this series was you know there's different exports and there's different reasons why an engine is used in England versus Australia versus China versus the, you know, uh, Arizona, you know, there's different imports, exports, there's different, the, some of them go through animal locations. I think that was a really bold move for, for Mattel to take in order to expand the series and figure out how to come up with, further stories for this franchise. I know you had touched upon it a little bit earlier, Eric, uh, the, the music that was in, in the movie, uh, sort of the, the six songs that, that I noticed were, was the Where in the World is Thomas, which has a more of a, a more of your standard musical number. And it also has this funny jab at Misty Island Rescue in that song. And I the- thought that song was one of the best songs this series has <laughs> ever come up with. It was so good. It had so many callbacks. Mm-hmm. It really showed how... I don't want to say Sir Topham Hatt is stupid, but he, mm-hmm. he doesn't really think all that much. And it, I loved every single thing that he was singing was so ridiculous and his mother came in and was like stop being stupid (laughs) he's not on a gondola he is a terrain (laughs) it's like this is the best this this the entire song encompassed everything i ever wanted out of the series so i'm so happy Mm -hmm. Uh, and and i guess the other songs uh include this african ethnic song called wake up and then they have a little of a Latin pop sort of ethnic song with Riff Friends. Then we have this blues pop style solo from Ace called Free and Easy. And then uh, then we have the ballad Sometimes You Make a Friend, which is when Thomas is trying to find Nia and apologize for the trick he played on her. And then at the end, they have the reprise of We're Friends. 
Uh, so, I know you sort of answered this already, but do you have a favorite song? Oh, that first one. Yeah. Where's Thomas? By yeah. far, 100%. I like that the others were very, were varied in style. I think that was a nice, because you could do that, because mm-hmm. because of being in different locations around the world, there was an ability to take the musicality of those areas and bring them into the series as well. Yeah. I mean, call me a sucker for a ballad, but uh, my, <laughs> my, my favorite song is Sometimes You Make a Friend, and I guess part of that is because of sort of a relatable bit from my past, which started back when I was a freshman in high school. Long story short, uh, there was a girl that I liked, and then due to a technical glitch, um, it made me think that the girl did not add, add me on Facebook when apparently the finnickers didn't even go through, and so... I found this out, but it's through a method that I think was a little too pushy, and then shortly thereafter, she sent me a message saying she didn't want to be friends anymore. And we did make up later later on through a mutual friend, but basically, that premise of the song sort of reminded me of that time in my life. Yeah. Yeah, because I think the ballad from the previous movie, Journey Beyond Sodor, was also very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sort of why I said I was a sucker for a ballad, because the ballad from that movie was also my favorite from that movie. <laughs> and, yes, PJ, I mean, obviously you probably haven't heard these songs necessarily, but out of the different styles, do you have a, a favorite sort of style? Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't heard these songs. I haven't even watched the movie. I tried to look for it online, but I couldn't find it. Um, I don't really have a favorite genre, no. In fact, I write in a lot of genres, actually. Um, But I have noticed that I tend to like songs that are more electronic-sounding. But really, I'm I'm pretty much open to anything. I mean, all these songs that you guys are describing sound great. And this question is more so for... For Eric, I guess. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I'm Eric. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, obviously, there's actually a different voice cast for uh, for the UK, where Thomas originates, and for the US. And, and as far as the music goes, do you have a, a preference for, like, which dub? I mean... I'm always going to prefer the UK cast over the US cast, only if anything, because I'm. I hate when any show takes characters and just completely changes the accents on them for no reason, especially if it's in the same language. Like if I'm if I'm dubbing a show like The Nanny in Italian, like they're gonna have an Italian accent that makes sense. It's gonna, they're gonna sound completely different. But if it's a, a show that's based in the UK, where we speak the same language as them, why do I need some characters to stay the same and some characters to be completely Americanized? 
I don't, I think to me, that disconnects me from the characters. The excuse that's given, I say excuse, the excuse that's given is it helps children connect with somebody that sounds just like them. But that's literally the opposite point of what they're trying to do with the series now. I don't understand why why they're doing this. I connect with the train no matter what he sounds like because of the personality and because of the adventures and the situations. Not because of the way he sounds. That's That's backwards thinking. And I really just, I don't want to have people lose their jobs in the u.s cast however comma i think it is just it irritates me ah (laughs) Uh, i see where you're coming from uh i guess for me i either because i'm more familiar with it or for for my favorite song because i think joseph may from the u.s cast gave the better performance over john hassett from the uk cast uh, I I actually prefer the U.S. dub. I think it's it it, it also depends on each of the songs, each of the mm-hmm. uh, the way the dialogue is delivered for each, even the episodes. Because mm-hmm. some of them I'm like, oh, I really like this one, and some of them I'm like, oh, that was awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess my final question, as it relates to the movie, and and then we'll start talking about the, the actual season twenty two. Uh, is, would you consider Ace to be a villain? Um, I mean, I would say he is an... He's an antagonist, for sure, for most of it. There's a... See, and this is where my problem is. There really wasn't a redeeming quality at the end. He kind of... kind of goes, oh, okay, bye, I guess... And looks kind of sad, but there's no resolution. That's part of my biggest issue with this is that I just feel like there's no resolution. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he, – he was basically a complete jerk this entire movie. And then I'm supposed to forgive him because he made a very sad face at the – end. like, no, that's not how this works. Absolutely not. Try again, Mattel. <laughs> um, if somebody is a complete jerk to me, I am not going to – you're not a three-year-old toddler. You're not Angelica Pickles. You're not going to go, but I said I was sorry. And then I go, oh, you're forgiven. See, she, he didn't even say he was sorry at all. He kind of apologized for being a jerk, but not meaningfully. Once his other posse showed up, he just kind of was like, oh, okay, well, I've got friends now. Bye. Like, ugh. <laughs> I have feelings. Yeah, I guess uh, I wouldn't consider him a, a villain. Antagonist, uh, it's debatable. The way I see it is it more so uh, teaches, teaches I guess, a lesson on peer pressure and the idea that yeah. you shouldn't, you shouldn't just do, do it, do what your friends just because they want you to, or just to go along with them and. And that scene shortly thereafter with the when he plays the trick on Nia and then they end up going too fast and they get derailed. And so I think that's a good sort of lesson to to teach there. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to say about peer pressure in, in the world in general, but more so today because it's not as black and white as it was 
back in the day, I could back in the day in like the eighties and nineties, um, where television shows would be like, I mean, I'm going to steal right from John Mulaney when like a bad guy would come to like save by the bell and hold like a joint in his hand, like in the menacing way, like I am the bad guy of the series and drugs are bad and blah, blah, blah. It's, there's a lot more of the social interaction that goes with some of these series. And I think there's a lot of great, great development and showcasing that in movies and television series. And so I guess, uh, Yes, when we talk about uh, season twenty-two, which is the, I guess the first season that has this big world, big adventures iteration. Something you already mentioned is that some stories are set in India, China, and Australia, and that's like adventures that happen around this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and the others are still set on Sodor. And. Basically, uh, there's. They still have. They still have 11 minute episodes, but it's more so consistent in this format. It opens with Thomas introducing the story, and then, then we cut to the 7 minute story, and it's actually told by Thomas for the first time as opposed to a traditional storyteller that is known for most of the other seasons. And. And then, once that's done, then we have the lesson learned segment. It takes place in Vickerstown at the station. And they bring up both the scenario in the story that we just heard, as well as a scenario from a past episode. And then, and then, the end of the song, if it's if the story takes place on Sodor, it ends with the engine roll call, and it's obviously slightly different because they shifted the 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 main Steam Team Eight characters a bit to have more female representation. But then, if the adventure takes place more so around the world, then they have what's called the adventure song, and so that still gives plenty of time for one story at a time in the UK. And then in the US, they have two stories that fit into a half hour block with commercials. And so, overall, do you have any thoughts on this new format? Well, let's break it down bit by bit. Um, How do you feel the transition has been from PBS to Nickelodeon? We'll start with that. Uh, that's actually my next question, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, on, anyway, to answer, answer your question, I, I mean, I can see why Mattel would do that, I guess, from a business perspective, but I, I guess my, my only gripe with it is something that I actually agree with, with Britt Alcroft on this one. She mentioned it in... Her speech at an award ceremony a few years ago, and I believe from accounts that I've heard that she also said a similar thing afterwards at your Thomas and the Big Celebration show, and she went and appeared at that, which is basically that she didn't want people to have a lot of money in order to access Thomas. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, if it's on Nickelodeon, then you're going to have to pay for 
a cable service or something to that effect. What was nice about it being on PBS, though, was that if all you really had for a TV was has an antenna and just hook it up to the TV, you could still tune into PBS and watch Thomas. Now you're sort of out of luck, especially considering that Litton is the company that sort of, I guess, sort of has a slight monopoly on children's programming on the actual commercial terrestrial stations. Like ABC has Litton's Wicked Adventure, CBS has CBS Dream Team, and NBC has The More You Know, and, and those are all produced by that same company, all the shows on there. And, and I guess... I think Fox and CW and all the other ones sort of just pick what they can from different syndicated programming because the FCC does have a requirement that every main station has to carry like three hours of educational informative programming. So, so, so anyway, as it relates back to Big World Big Adventures, I guess, my group is that if is that if it's just uh, through Nickelodeon or through Hulu or Netflix or some sort of streaming service, like, how is the people who can't afford to get those things going to access them? That's sort of my concern as it relates to what Britt said. This is a very... It's such a hard point to discuss because... Commercials are made to make the show money. I'm, and obviously PBS has specific funding that they wanted. I want to know how this went down. If like Mattel decided it's time as we're transitioning, it's time to transition channels. Um, I think as the show started to pick up the last few seasons, it felt more in line with Nickelodeon's lineups with like Paw Patrol and, you know, Bubble Guppies and all of those types of shows, Thomas started to feel more in line with those programs and less like Arthur or Magic School Bus or which is not even on TV anymore um, or, you know, everything else that's on PBS right now. And I think from a viewing perspective i think putting it on nickelodeon was a very smart move and i know that nickelodeon made a huge deal out of it when we were in new york uh at some point last year summer spring i think it was spring i think it was when we were performing up in new york city in march nickelodeon had rented out the spongebob theater um Marquee? I don't remember what theater was. Doesn't matter. Nickelodeon had this huge event going on, um, and they had a giant poster outside that showed like what what the to- talking points of all of the event were. And it was a big marketing thing, and one of the entire sections was Thomas and talking about how Thomas was now going to be under network and what what the, what this was going to change for the series as well as the channel and all of the stuff. Um, and it went into the t- the teen shows and everything else, but Thomas was a, one of the big talking points on this poster. And I went to the, I went to the people they were setting up the brain stuff into the event. And I was like, so how do I get access into this theater for this event? Like, is there tickets? Like, how how does this work? And they said, well, what what do you do? 
And so I said, well, I run a theater nonprofit. I also run a, a train nonprofit that has a lot of focus with Thomas. I also worked with the creator of the Thomas TV series. So I was like, I was throwing everything out. And they were like, okay, so what this is, they're like, so you're not completely like, just want to get in there. And I said, no, I do have actual interest in, in what's going to be spoken about. And they said, this is more of a marketing event for gaining backers for the networks and the shows. And I said, okay, that makes sense. I don't have money. And he said, well, when you said two nonprofits, I assumed you had no money to invest in things. And I said, valid, very good. <laughs> so um, this was a huge step forward for Nickelodeon. And I think this was a, a very good partnership with them. Going back to your point about viewership, this is a huge, this is a huge sticky point. And I think all television series that are, edu honestly all, but specifically ones that are children's education based, they need to be able to offer some content free of charge at any point, anywhere. Um, this is where some of your interactive gaming comes in with apps with the option to purchase more, which is irritating, but there's, so there's that. I also think um, mediums like YouTube and uh, other uh, video streaming companies, Hulu, Netflix, anything like that, obviously you have to pay for those. But I think if you offered select free content, that way at least some of the content was available. I also think what I'm interested in seeing and hearing about is special designed content that is exclusively free. So everyone gets equal opportunity with like the side. So, okay, as an example, if the series was to continue on Sodor with full 26 episodes, I would be interested in the free content on the YouTube or whatever the internet, the website, the apps, to be the adventures around the world. Something like that, where you have a specifically designed series for the quote-unquote paying customer, um, and then equal opportunity content available to anyone that wants to watch. So you almost have two series running simultaneously. Um, and it doesn't have to be specifically with that you could do live action content you could do a different animation style i think that's there's a thing that exists called the correct me if i'm wrong rico the thomas creator collective yeah that's the title okay which is an opportunity for thomas fans to showcase not only their storytelling talent but their filmmaking talents and kind of combine their own stories i don't know a whole lot about it i oh, i honestly want nothing to do with it <laughs> <laughs> From from a from a creative perspective, I think that the the the, the ability to process that free content online, um, and that also allows children to continue to create their own adventures and show show people actually doing that. So I think that is great. It's a very tricky. It's the whole thing is stupid tricky, and I don't understand how. It, it, there's not a yes or no, right or wrong answer with it. So it's it's. Uh, complicated and irritating that I can't give a full answer. So thanks for asking questions that I can't answer, Rico. <laughs> and so I guess uh, sort of to to back up for a second as it relates to to the new format with like the different segments in the story and stuff like that. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
yes, I have lots of thoughts and opinions because it's because I'm Eric and I always do. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, we'll start with the theme song. I think the new theme song is phenomenal. I think it does a great job picking up the energy. It doesn't sound like it's dragging. I thought the revamp of the engine roll call song was also great. I back in back a couple 19, 19 or 20 is when they redid the engine roll call. And I was like, get it. Thank you. Cause it just sounded so bland. And now I was like, okay, there's at least a little bit of substance to it. Now we've got a good song that like gets me super excited to watch the show. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. The rewritten engine roll call for the ending. It's, it's whatever. I don't, it's still here. It's still bland. Toby's square. Henry doesn't have a personality. So they kicked him out. Like, that was the biggest thing. He toots and huffs and puffs. That's not a personality. Please try again, guys. Who wrote this song? Fired. Um, and even with the new rewrites, I'm like, this is still very bland. But here we are. It's going to be in forever. I think the format of the series was really great. I liked, I love the adventures on Sodor. There were, I think the ones off of Sodor around the world were very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, some I very much enjoyed. And I think a lot of this comes down to the show was written by different people. It's always been written by different people. But I think when any show, when you have a variety of writers, which is basically all of them, <laughs> you can tell when a show is written by a certain person based on the style and the quickness of it and everything. And I think some of the stories outside of Sodor focus so much on the cultural integrity and impact of the episode of the of the plot that the energy of the story kind of fell to the wayside. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, no I get it. I got. I felt like I was getting preached at, and it, it became boring in parts of it. There was an episode that I, the episode in. I want to say India was the one with the tigers and the poachers. I thought that was so well done. It got the it got the point across. It was it was just it it brought in a huge issue around the world that exists, and I think that was really great. Um, I think the introduction of all of these new characters is wonderful. It not only provides representation from people and different cultures around the world. But from a business perspective, it offers much more marketability with your toy line. It gives way more opportunity for people to want to purchase all of these different trains in all the various formats, whether in Mini or Trackmaster or Wooden Railway or Take and Play or whatever, Adventures, whatever it's called now. Or it doesn't exist. I don't even know. They've been doing so many changes. I don't even know what exists anymore. Um, I think Thomas as a narrator works. I was a little taken aback by that when it when they first announced that, but I think it I think it works fine. I miss Mark as the narrator. I loved his voice. Mm-hmm. He had a very wonderful voice yeah. as the narrator. And Thomas it, it it balanced it out. I think that was what I liked about Mark is that he balanced out the tone of the series because he was super he had a very chill voice to contrast with the chaos that was going on in these episodes. And now I feel like with Thomas narrating, 
that calmness is is gone and it's just chaos all the time and just super loud and it's like oh my god <laughs> which i guess is part of why mattel rebranded the series um and we have uh the, the the one other thing was um before i get into the united nations stuff because that's a huge talking point um are the new characters of that are added into the Steam team. Now, part of my issue, they released a video at one point because people don't listen, people don't read. I have much experience with this in my personal life and Mattel is dealing with it too. People don't listen when Mattel says Henry and Edward are in the series still. So PAG, there was this huge hubbub when they said that that two girls were coming in to replace, quote-unquote, Henry and Edward in the big engine shed. And people went ballistic and said, how dare you? How dare this happen? And they were like, we never said they were getting going away. Like, they're still in the series. And potentially even more so now that they're out of the shed. Like, because they had to have episodes to set that entire plot up. So, like... And people continue to say, well, you replace them. And it's like, stop, stop. So they finally put out a video where Thomas explained, like, the plot of, like, how we got to this point. Um, and kind of syn- synopsized, because I'm making a port now, um, the the plots of different episodes of how we got to that area and why the engines are in different locations and everything. And one of the things that irritated me, and I didn't realize how much it rubbed me wrong until he said it, he said, we are the Steam team and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, see, this, we as the audience refer to them as the Steam team. It's just a branding thing. It's not, that is not what their official superhero title group name is. <laughs> they are not the Avengers. They don't refer to themselves as the superhero elite team. Like, no, they are these engines and they happen to live in this shed uh, for all intents and purposes of the plot of the series. You do not refer to yourself as the Steam Team. That is the given name that some writer named for marketing purposes, which is still is stupid. But beyond that, that is what we call them, not them. Now, moving past that, we have two new girls that are joining the Steam Team. Uh, and it is Rebecca and I almost said Ashima. That's wrong. It's Nia. Yeah. <laughs> Now I've got 800 characters to sort through in my in my encyclopedia brain. I'm like, uh, which one's there now? Um, so Nia is the main character, one of the main characters from, I almost said Journey Bound Sword or Big World Big Adventures. Um, she is from Africa. She came and followed Thomas around on all of his adventures and now ends up on the Island of Sodor and says, you know what? I'm just going to chill and stay. Where? Who? Who owns these trains? Who? Who's <laughs> I, I think I would be like, hmm, I miss. I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe this giant, like, three-ton thing on wheels. Like, oh, I'm just going to stay here on this island. It's fine. Nobody will know who I am or I'm missing. <laughs> like, no, absolutely not. There's some things I will not look past, and that is one of them. But we have two new female characters now. This adds some balance to the series. Female characters have been very hit or miss on the show. Um... Katie and I and our 
entertainment channel on YouTube, Rainbow Sun Productions. We have a, an entire series called Confusion and Delay. We are in the process of filming. Basically what it is is it's us watching through every single Thomas episode from beginning up until current. So we're going to take forever to get there. So we're going to have plenty of we have one episode a week on that, and it's like it's going to be super good. Um, anyway, so Katie is giving her super sarcastic commentary, as she does with everything. And we recently got to Daisy, who was the first female engine to appear in the series. Mm. And she was furious by the end of this episode. Um, I'll leave the commentary specifically for the viewing of that episode once it pops up in the near future. But she was furious that the female representation that first was given on the show was to somebody so irritable and it just it set things on a very sour tone with anybody that was a female viewer i personally love daisy i think she's a great character but i understand what the point is with what katie was saying I think we have started to finally correct that issue with providing a variety of characters and personality traits for all of our characters, not just the female characters. But I think bringing in female characters is definitely adding a balance to the show, especially with um, the fact that even with all of our Thomas shows that we did for the library events, most of the audience was girls and which took I think all of us aback because I thought there was going to be I wasn't sure how would how what the audience was going to be or the reaction was going to be and most as with theater you can only get a certain number of males to participate because that is just the life of theater and so our cast was all girls and Eric at the, the beginning so like I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Were the kids going to connect with the characters? And everyone did. All the girls, all the boys, everyone was it just it completely immersed into it. So I knew once they said they were adding more female characters to the show, I knew why. And I knew it was going to work. And I think that's a really solid thing. I think all shows should be very well balanced. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be something as what is considered feminine as Barbie. I think Barbie could could have a a good balanced touch. You know, there are male and females out there that like My Little Pony. And I think that's the same thing with this. There's there's going to be a nice balance to the series that, you know, some people that have grown up with the series for the last 35 years are going to be a little bit irritable about, you know what, the show's not for you anymore. And I think the show is going to continue in this format for several years and then it's going to reach a point where we're going to go, okay, what's the next, what's the next basically rebranding of the series? It's going to go back and forth consistently, constantly. They're going to do whatever it takes to keep the series running and alive. Moment and let somebody else talk, Rico, PJ. <laughs> and then we can continue with the United Nations points because that's something I'm very excited to talk about. I guess when it comes to the to the actual format of the of the, of the actual stories, I guess one thing that I can sort of connect to, uh, as it, like I said, the 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 introductory and the conclusion segments as well as the actual story, and I think that that actually works really well as it as it relates to 
to the autistic audience how they sort of like want structure. And so these segments sort of give give these stories a little bit more structure. And as far as like the actual stories themselves, uh, I obviously the ones on Solar work really, really well. The ones that take place around the world, like you said, were very hit or miss. Um, honestly, I didn't see all of the all of the ones that happen around the world. I only saw enough sort of just to get. Get it there, and I'm probably going to have to check out that one with the tigers and the poachers. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that one was one of the stronger ones from outside of Sodor. Another strong one that took place outside of Sodor was the Christmas one that took place in Australia with the king. That one was really good, too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because that also juxtaposed against the one from the previous season with... I think it was the previous one. Maybe it was the one before that with Daisy and her Christmas irritations of like Christmas has to be the same every single year in their traditions. <laughs> and and I think this one also can kind of continue that with like Christmas is supposed to have snow and it's supposed to have this. And it was a very different Christmas celebration. And it really stuck out the point with, mm-hmm. um, you know, holidays are celebrated differently everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a kind of sidetracking, but going on the same tone Epcot does a festival of the holidays and they have different storytellers that talk about how their culture or their country celebrates the whatever holiday it is around the world. And some of them, some of them are Christmas and some of them are, you know, Santa in a different way. And they talk about that and act out stuff. One of the things that they had this year was a Hanukkah storyteller. But instead of talking about traditional Hanukkah, the guy talked about Hanukkah around the world and how different countries celebrate Hanukkah and their different interpretations of the holiday. And that I enjoyed. Honestly, I think more than any of the other ones, it was presented so differently from the others. And I think that is going to be one of the strong points is Thomas is going to have the, but I know how to do it like this. Why are you doing it like this? And balance out and show side by side just because you do things one way doesn't mean it can't be done another way or you know this is how this is why our culture does things like this and thomas can say oh okay well this is why our culture does things like this i'm interested in learning and trying this thing i have always wanted to celebrate haunt me personally not thomas i've always wanted to celebrate hanukkah and i think 2019 is the year i'm going to do the research and i'm going to celebrate hanukkah and watch lamb chops hanukkah special um (laughs) so i think that's going to be one of the strong things for the series is you're going to be able to show the juxtaposition of the two next to each other. Um, yeah, I think the format with the revamp, uh, the the review at the end of like what the lesson was without shoving it in your face, which I enjoy, like Thomas just kind of casually mentions it, but then showing not only that episode, but also a different episode that's see to me that's super interesting because that's more of a pbs thing Hmm. and they proceeded to do it once they switched to nickelodeon that was weird i think it's great i think it really solidifies everything at the end of the episode and wraps it up really nicely with a bow i just think it was weird that they did it when they went to nickelodeon well i know when when i caught it on pbs back when it was on pbs a few years ago, uh, 
I think they had they had something similar where Thomas sort of retold the lesson that he learned from the story that we had just seen. They didn't go back and show it from a past episode, but it sort of was it was sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess it wasn't exactly new. It's apart from maybe those in the UK who obviously didn't have PBS and just watched the actual story and that was it. But I guess I can sort of see where you're coming from. And then I guess one other question I want to ask before we get to the United Nations stuff. Uh, I guess there's this episode, one of the first episodes that take place on Soda. It's called Forever and Ever. And I'm sure you could agree with me on this. Eric, and, and since that Gordon sort of represents some of the fandom at large as it comes to comes to the reaction to all these changes, because he essentially throws a tantrum on all the changes that are happening all around Sodor. Okay, that was, the, I was trying to, I was like, is this the one I'm thinking of? And okay, so you've reiterated that this is yeah. the one where Rebecca shows up in the shed and, and Henry leaves and he's like, what, what, no, what, who? No, absolutely not. So yeah, I think that was a huge just like stamp on the, mm-hmm. you know what if, you know what you fans might not be okay with it. Changes are going to happen. Period. Changes are happening around the world. Changes are happened since 1945 when this book was published. Like <laughs> things are going to change. Suck it up. Nah. Get over yourselves. <laughs> the series is not for you. This series is made for three year olds. However, I'm. One thing that I was very excited about, um, the new packaging for the Thomas Minis, it says for ages three to 99. And I was like, thank you for not excluding a certain, making it a certain age range. I think the other thing that I'm interested about with this, with the way the series is going is it's expanding the, I'm so happy for this. It's starting to expand the age range of the viewers that watch the show. Thomas is seen as a very preschool show and i think the more faster pace and the mature content that is presented in here is going to expand the age range of like when is it quote-unquote acceptable to watch this show so instead of like three to six it's now three to eight and pretty soon it might be three in a couple years it might be three to ten so the longer you keep these kids interested in this franchise and the characters and the engines the more you're going to have viewership the more money you're going to have coming in from merchandise sales it's going to and the longevity of the characters continuing into the future yes the question i have as it relates to that and it's to something more so in general uh if there's changes going on in something if you're a member of a fandom of that thing and it's going through changes and there's people that are responding negatively to change like have you ever been in a fandom like that, and if so, like, how did you deal with? Well, with it? the Thomas fandom. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll start there. Uh, yeah, I just uh, my problem is is that I'll throw everyone thinks that their opinion is right, which is incorrect. My opinion is the only one that's right. I'm just, just kidding. Um, I, I I always say that to people. I'm like, oh, your opinion is different than mine. Well, it's wrong. Um, th- my biggest issue with talking to people in a fandom. I never got involved in fandoms. I never got involved in Disney fandoms. I was always a fan of things. I never got involved in the Thomas fandom until Britt said she was going to do the show with us. 
And this is the first time I actually reached out to the community and said, hey, Britt's doing this fun thing. Guess what? I'm in charge of it. And that was the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life because then I got into – now, I wouldn't say it's the biggest mistake. Um, there's There have been some amazing people in this fandom and some very – all I've wanted from this, from any fandom, is to have intellectual-type conversations with people about the series, about the stories, about the character development, about any of that stuff. And my irritation with a lot of this fandom, a lot of any fandom, I like this thing or I don't like that. Well, why – I'll give you another example. Disney. We'll talk about Disney theme parks. Somebody will say, I don't like that fireworks show. Why don't you like that fireworks show? Because it's stupid. Okay. What <laughs> makes it what what makes it stupid? It's boring. Okay. What makes it boring? Let's let's try again. What makes it boring? The whole thing. So you have no opinion. You're incompetent. So bye, get out of my way. And I feel like that's a lot of the conversations that I that end up happening on in this Thomas fandom is I'll point out various things and say this I like this because of this and this is why I enjoy it and I think this is why this makes the series better or worse whatever whatever it is. And they'll go, "That's wrong." Or that's stupid. I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Because I don't. Well, you're being a baby. So <laughs> No, absolutely not. I'll give you another example. Once upon a time, once upon a time had a very, very weird fan base. People will ship all sorts of characters together. Um, and some generally they will live in harmony and sometimes they will fight. And I'm like, guys, none of this actually exists on the show. I need you to stop fighting about this. Like, it's it's fine. Everyone can have their relationship things that they want with these characters my issue with once upon a time became the show writing was always rocky from the beginning and i was like that's never a good start because it's just gonna get worse it might not get better and that's basically what happened they they tried to cater to a lot of the fans and i'm just like uh uh and i think i'm glad mattel while catering to a good majority of the of their fandom and the people, I'm glad that they haven't broken down and said, oh, oh, you know what? These 28, 30, 35, 40-year-olds, they have opinions too. Let's bend over backwards for them and give them everything they want. You know what? Forget everything we're doing. We're going to go back to the models. We're going to go back to the books. We're going to adapt to five more stories and then that's it. Not create any more stories because that's all that needs to happen in this. Like, I'm going to, I really wanted to shake people down and be like, what is wrong with you? Why are you making these suggestions? It's not going to go back to the models. They're done. They're in a storage unit somewhere or sold off or something like they're, they're gone. They're, they're not coming back. They're not going to invest money into that when they have already invested all this money into the computer system. This, this is the way it is. Suck it up. Bah. (laughs) (laughs) Fandoms always act negatively on something. PJ, tell me about a fandom that you have experienced irritations with. Yeah, I was actually just about to. Oh, hi, I'm PJ. I'm I <laughs> exist. Um, <laughs> uh, don't even get me started on the Coldplay fandom. Uh, for those that <laughs> don't so know, funny. 
for those that don't know, I, uh, as an autistic person, Coldplay is my obsessive interest, and that is where Claude Play comes from because I'm, t- I'm kind of like a parody of Coldplay, but like Coldplay has inspired me to have this alter ego. So I'm like, oh, I'll pay tribute to Coldplay. I'm Claude Play. Anyway, um, a lot of people did not like Coldplay's latest album, A Head Full of Dreams. There's these hardcore fans that have been with Coldplay since the very beginning. And of course, Coldplay initially started out, you know, more acoustic. It was like, um, it was like very, very studio-like and they didn't really have a bunch of sound effects. But like, if you watch the Coldplay movie, which just came out um, actually a couple months ago, uh, they said, well, that's not really how we wanted to start out. A Head Full of Dreams was actually the place we've been trying to get to this entire time. So we're actually, we're the happiest we've ever been. But a lot of the fans are like, no, I liked your original sound better. You should have just stuck to that. And I'm like, you know what? As long as they're happy, I think that's all that matters, guys. Come on. And it's like, I don't know. That part's always annoyed me when there's, you know, as you mentioned, a bunch of change and people just are not having it. Things are going to change. Do you know what? And you bring up a very valid point with the music industry because people, bands, individuals, what have you, always go through changes throughout their albums and i can you know we can talk about any of them britney spears one direction in sync uh justin bieber ariana you name it any any group any um, uh green day being a, a another huge one where their sound sounds very different from album to album um taylor swift has that as well i think those the artist needs to do what they need to to express themselves whether that's through pop rock techno hip-hop rap whatever whatever they need to do so if at a certain point they feel like i think i would like to experiment with this genre you as the fandom should be supportive of what if you are a fan of them you should be supportive of what they want to do right there's specifically a difference between an artist and their work and a franchise and its work and how it's done um you're not immediately connected to a uh, the writers or the directors or the producers of a tv series or a movie however with an artist you are immediately connected to the artist's face and their vocals and their 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 messages and their songs so if an artist if you are a fan of that artist and they decide they want you to experiment with other genres of music or styles let them have that if it doesn't if it doesn't work or they don't like it or the fans don't react well maybe they'll go back to it but they but you have to give them a chance yeah thank you that's exactly it exactly what i was trying to get to and i would have to say the same thing about owl city as oh uh, yeah owl city too uh, with, with with the changes that I guess first were apparent in the Midsummer Station onward, um, it was pretty much sort of the same thing, except unlike Coldplay, it's more so the the style and the instrumentation. I guess with All City, it was more so so the lyrics and in, in the sense that they they weren't as uh, like Adam was initially like in his earlier albums, it was more so about like daydreaming and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it, like now he's writing about his personal life and mm-hmm. like being in a relationship and everything. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally see that. 
Um, so I think the last thing we can touch upon before we wrap this up um, is something that I think I personally and professionally think is super important to the changes of the series. So with Big World, Big Adventures, and Friends and Mattel partnered with the United Nations in the development of everything to make sure that everything was done correctly. There is a lot of issues with really any media that does cultural work because sometimes it's culturally insensitive, sometimes not all the research is put in, sometimes the, it is misrepresented, and which is not okay. So Mattel took the extra step to go to United Nations and say, hey, we want to partner on this. We know you have specific goals. We want to work with your, with your teams and figure out what is going to be the best way to accomplish what we want on the show while also you know, partnering with your goals that you want. So their big thing um, was all aboard for global goals. Um, they did a few video series to showcase a overall the overall arc of what they were trying to do, and then individual videos to show the specific goal for the United Nations, what it was, the importance of it in real life, in the real life application, and how Thomas applied it to the storytelling and the series. So the six goals that Thomas and friends partnered with are 4, 5, 6, 11, 12, and 15. So I'm going to read those out. Number four is quality education. Number five is gender equality. Number six is clean water and sanitation. Number 11 is sustainable cities and communities. Number 12 is responsible consumption and protection. And number 15 is life on land. So for each of these kind of segmented episodes explaining like the partnership like i said they'll kind of go through what each of these things mean in a real life application and then discuss how these concepts are represented within the stories of the franchise i think this is a massive step forward for preschool education entertainment i think this is a huge thing and a game changer for any news show out there because I, without it having to go, look, this is what we're doing. This is an important thing, which is basically what they're doing with these videos to show how they, which is what they needed to do to show how the show does accomplishes that with the partnership. But within the context of the show, you don't really get, this is important. This is really good. Like gender equality is going to be, weaved into the pop with it weaved within the plot based on just new new female characters being added in and properly represented quality education that's basically what the show is um especially since it started on pbs it needed to be education and with going around the world you have those cultural impacts and the education of the different cultures and how people live in those cultures um, sustainable cities and communities, I think, is is a very interesting one, because especially with the fact that the steam engines and the diesel engines are letting out all sorts of chemicals, it's fine. You know, we'll just overlook that. <laughs> um, it's it's very interesting to go. You you don't think that some of these goals 
would work into the plot of a show that focuses on trains. But then once they start discussing, like, this is how some of these things have worked into our plots, it makes sense. It's not done in a very forceful way. And I really appreciate that. And I think this is this is going to lead the way for new show developments, by example. You got it. Yay. <laughs> I, I try to be as concise as possible with my opinions on this because it is just so, it, it, it's such an important thing. Mm-hmm. And with, what do they have, 18, 17, 17 different goals, there's going to be more that they can look into and figuring out how to develop and, and bring some of those into the plots as well. Yeah, I mean, all I have left to say is I have a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> There's a lot that the series has gone through in the past 35 years. There's a lot that the book, it's, it's next year is the 75th anniversary of the book series. And I, this fandom's going to probably explode. <laughs> this, this fandom's going to be a mess. Uh, so do you guys like have any final thoughts on Big World, Big Adventures? Yeah, I still have a lot of catching up to do before I watch this movie, but I'll I'll do my best because it sounds like, um, you know, obviously Thomas plays a huge role in a lot of people's lives, and that's amazing. I definitely think I need to catch up on it. Yeah, play mm-hmm. is an important part in a lot of our lives, whether by choice or force. <laughs> <sighs> Never gonna get away from it. It's it's you know, no matter what. I, I love Thomas as a character. I think he's just such a fun, lovable character. I I always compare him to Mickey Mouse. People go, well, why do you enjoy Thomas? And I'm like, the same reason why people enjoy Mickey. And once I explain the personality traits that are very similar, and I say one is just an anthropomorphic mouse and one is an anthropomorphic train, they're very similar in personality styles and how they interact with other characters. And they say, oh, that makes sense. I think once I was able to phrase it in that way, people were just like, they understood immediately what I was talking about. It didn't seem weird. It didn't seem bizarre. Um, I think that the series is going in a very interesting direction. I don't think, I think there are a lot of amazing and great things about it. And there are some things that are still leaving me hesitant. I think the, specifically the style of the stories is still being worked out especially the ones from around the world because you're trying to bring in the cultural information without it sounding like a PowerPoint presentation. And I think some of the points of these episodes start to sound like that. Like I am going to educate you on this thing. Click to the next slide. Like (laughs) it just, it just sounds very mechanical. (laughs) So I'm hoping that once they got through this first round they were like, okay, this worked, this didn't. Let's let's see how we can fix this for the future episodes. I, I can tell you right now the show is going to go on like this in this format for quite some time. And then after a few few years, however many years that is, five, ten years, they'll go, okay, what is the next way we can rebrand? What is the next step in this direction to keep the franchise as fresh as possible? And still continue all of the goals. I'm very excited to see what happens with this series. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing, like, the majority of fans who, like, saw these changes coming out before, like, anything premiered, they were, like, already jumping on the hate train. No pun intended. <laughs> and 
I'm like, hold on, let's just wait to see what see well, what happens and that's part of the problem is that everyone was jumping the gun and saying this is bad and it's like it hasn't even come out yet you can't form an opinion yet. <laughs> yeah. you can say i don't know how i feel about this yet and that's about as far as you could go you can't say you hate it until the product has happened yet sorry please continue yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh so like i said i waited for it to come out and and uh, honestly, with the movie, it, it worked. Well, I actually enjoyed it quite a lot, even though there were some plot points that weren't touched on that could have been. But, and then the actual series. And the episodes around the world were very uh, hit or miss. They, there was some that worked really well, others that didn't really work. And... Obviously, the ones that happen on solar, or they they are still pretty good. And so, overall, overall, looking back back at this, I can honestly say that that the changes I think were for the most part very good. Uh, and I can't wait to see what happens next in the series. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens in the future of the series and all the new developments that are made with the characters and their adventures. Okay, so I think we had a pretty great and thorough discussion on big world, big adventures. Uh, And so until next time, this has been A Journey Beyond the Lens. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Lens. The intro music is Work. That's W-E-R-Q by Kevin McLeod. It is available under a Creative Commons attribution license and can be downloaded for free at Incompetech.com. Beyond the Lens is a ReCore Entertainment production. Congratulations, you made it through the longest episode of Beyond the Lens to date. As a thank you for those who made it this far, here's a clip from a deleted segment from the pilot episode. In this clip, I had just finished explaining some of the reasons why Zoom was cancelled, including some of the negative reaction to the reworking of the Zoom theme song in Season 7. A conversation about change resulted, and Big World Big Adventures came up. Please enjoy. Okay, then, yeah, I I stand corrected then. I mean, if they made just, even if it's a little change like that, I guess it could be enough to to give it a lower rating. Yeah, but, but then again, it's not that drastic a change. I mean... Compared to uh, what Eric and I have been seeing, like with Thomas, how the, how now there's this Thomas and Friends Big World Big Adventures, where where they're sending Thomas on a journey all the way around the world, and the UN's partnered, and there's all these fans and uh, that are 
Can of you, adult age that are like, the show's over, can it's you, ruined. Can you call them fans? Can you just call them whiny <laughs> adults that are in their basement crying about their lives because they have nothing better to do? Because that's how I'm looking at it. <laughs> I am not bitter at all. Um, no, it's just... It, people, people love, love to complain. I'm dealing with a complaining person right now because they're talking about... Re, there's, there's a... TV series of Chucky, a child's play that's continuing the original story. And then there's a reboot that's happening and people are just so split on everything and they're being so rude. And I'm like, y'all, there are creative team people on this Facebook page. Are you really going to act like this? I'm just going to let y'all dig your own grave. Like I don't have time for this garbage fest. This is why I never commented (laughs) or talked to people. And then I got involved with this Thomas thing and I was like, Oh my God, what did I do to myself? I don't, (laughs) Uh, people love to just, th- but I'm right. No, you're not. Please stop talking. 